0: Today is uh, week four of this message series that we've been in, and, and we're talking about about how, how our lives are in God's hands, and we need to trust God with our lives. Amen. And for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about about the remedy for worry, fear, and anxiety. So today, as we wrap up this series, I, I just want to push it home again because sometimes when we talk about things like this, if we do it in one week or two weeks, you know, we move on to the next thing and. And all of a sudden, you know, we all forget about what we talked about for the last few weeks. But, but today I want to really drive it home about how much God wants to take care of our anxieties. God wants to take care of our fears and worries. Amen? And we have been trying to learn over these last number of weeks what it says in 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, where it says that we are to cast all of our cares upon Him because He cares for us. Now, did you get that? This has really been our foundation of Scripture for the last four weeks. And we've been learning to whatever concerns us, whatever keeps us awake at night, whatever is on our mind when we should be doing other things, we've been trying to learn that we are to take that, those concerns, those fears, those anxieties, those worries, and we are to cast them, to throw them, physically throw them as hard as we can onto Jesus because He cares for us. Amen? You know, you... you there's all of these concerns, fears, worries, anxieties. We can't carry them, can we? We just can't. We can't bear them. There's so many things going on in this world today. And we, last week we talked about about some of the fears that are being generated in our world today. And, and I just opened up this morning, just I open up my emails, just to check through my emails. I see headlines on, on the front of, of, of Yahoo. I use Yahoo still, judge me. Um, but the headline there on Yahoo was... was Five things that brings the world to tipping point, you know, of, of global warming, of... Uh, and I, I just pointed out to Angela, I said, I said, there you go. It's absolutely everywhere. But what we're trying to do, what we're trying to learn to do, is to block out everything that the enemy is saying. Block out all of the fear, the worry, the anxiety that he's trying to load on us. And we're trying to get to a place where we're casting those concerns onto Jesus because he cares for us. I heard it said one time before that, you know, you shouldn't stay awake all night worrying about stuff because God is awake all night anyway. Just give them to him. Let him take care of them. Amen. Cast all of your cares, your worries, your fears, your anxieties onto Jesus because he cares for you. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking to yourself, but God doesn't understand what I'm going through. Jesus doesn't understand the things I'm going through. He was never married. He didn't have a mortgage or, or he had an, a, an eviction order hanging over his house. Or he didn't have kids or stuff like that to worry about bills. But can I tell you, Jesus bore the worries of the world on his shoulders. Amen. He really does care for you. Amen. He does understand the stuff that you're going through. He may never be married, but praise God, he has to look after us. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Remember that time in the garden just before Jesus was about to be arrested? Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen, didn't he? He predicted his death so many times. He had just eaten his last supper with his best friends and one of them had left during the supper to go out and betray him to those who were wanting to kill him. Jesus knew exactly what was about to happen to him. He knew about the betrayal. He knew he would be abandoned by his friends and denied by one of his best friends. He knew he was about to be arrested, scourged. He knew that he was going to be eventually nailed to the cross and left there to die. That night when Jesus got up from the table, he knew all of these things were about to come on him. So Matthew chapter 26, let's just take up the story there. After the Jesus had eaten the last supper with his disciples. It says in verse 36, it says, and Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. With me. Don't ever think that Jesus didn't go through stress or anxiety. He did. Amen. Don't ever think that he doesn't understand when you go through those kind of stresses or anxieties in your life. He totally understands. Another version of the Word of God says, says My anguish is so great that I feel like I am dying. That's what Jesus said to his followers. Jesus felt stress. He felt worry and anxiety, the likes that have never been felt by any human being ever. Amen? And what did Jesus do when these anxieties, these stresses, these fears came upon him? What did he do? Well, I see three things that he did in this passage of Scripture. The first one was he he talked about. it. Second one is he surrounded himself with trustworthy friends. And the third one was that he prayed. You know, when you think about Jesus, you know that Jesus was the Son of God, don't you? That Jesus is God himself. He's part of the Trinity. Jesus was there that day that God said, let there be light. Jesus was there as a witness when God flung the stars out into the deep of the void. He was there. Amen? Amen? When you think about Jesus, you know this guy is God. He is the all-powerful, all-knowing God. Yes, he talked to his friends about his feelings. Jesus wasn't afraid of showing emotion, was he? You know, the shortest verse in the Bible. Yeah? When Jesus was standing there at the grave of his best friend Lazarus, John eleven thirty-five tells us that Jesus wept. Common English Bible says that Jesus began to cry. Jesus showed emotion. Amen? He showed emotion. Jesus wasn't afraid to show emotion. He talked about the things that were going on in his life and he talked to his friends about those things. And I wonder, and this is just the way my mind operates, I wonder when Jesus was talking to Peter, James, and John about his feelings. I wonder how did they feel? How did they feel when Jesus was pouring out all of this stuff to them? I wonder, you know, what could they have even said? You know, this is Jesus. This is this is God. You know, what, what can you even say to him? You know, I think we're all familiar with the saying, it's good to talk, aren't we? Problem shared is a problem halved. Well, that is the truth, isn't it? It is good to talk. When you're going through some stuff, it is good to talk. And And sometimes when you share a problem with somebody else and you get their perspective on it, or sometimes even when you just share it, things start to feel a little bit better, don't they? Because now you're not holding it to yourself. Well, Jesus talked to his close friends. Not that he was expecting Peter to come up with some great plan. Jesus didn't expect Peter to say, Hey, Jesus, what if we did this and what if we did that? Maybe then we'd be able to get out of this thing. He wasn't expecting that. And I think too, when... When a friend might come to talk to you sometime about stuff going on in their lives, they're not always looking for you to give them a solution. Most of the time, they're just wanting you to listen. And that's what Jesus did in this situation. He just wanted to talk with his friends about the stuff that was going on. He just wanted to share with them the stuff that he was going through. You ever wonder why when Jesus sent out his apostles, they sent him out two by two? You ever wonder that? You ever wonder why he didn't send them out on their own? Why didn't you just say, you go there, because, you know, you cover more ground when you send people out in singles. Ever wonder why after the resurrection that most of the time Jesus' followers traveled in pairs? Now, I know there was probably many reasons, but I believe one of those reasons were that two are better than one. Amen? Ecclesiastes 4:19, or sorry, 4.9 in my Bible, it's titled, The Value of a Friend. And it says this in verse 9, it says, Two are better than one, because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a three-fold cord is not quickly broken. Two are better than one. So much better that when you have someone in your life that you can share the stuff that's going on with. So much better than when we have stuff going on that we just talk with somebody about it. Share our feelings with somebody. Amen? Jesus did this in the garden before he went to the cross. Even though he knew what was coming for him within the next few hours. Another thing that Jesus did too is that he surrounded himself with trustworthy friends. Church, it is so important that we surround ourselves with trustworthy friends. The Oxford Dictionary defines a friend as a person with whom one has developed a close and informal relationship of mutual trust and intimacy. The Collins Dictionary says it this way. It says a friend is a person... Known well to another and regard with liking, regarded with liking, affection, and loyalty. That's a friend, isn't it? That's a friend. A friend is not somebody that you just met last night in the pub when you're half drunk. That's not a friend. Amen. A friend is not somebody who you just randomly meet on the street that you just kinda kinda know what his name is. That's not a friend. A friend is a friend. Someone that's loyal to you, close in your relationship with you. Amen? You know the average Facebook user has 338 friends? Maybe you're a little bit below average or above average, I don't know. I checked this morning, I'm a little bit above average. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. You know, up until Facebook put a limit on the amount of friends that you could have... There was a guy called William Scott Goldberg who held a record for the most amount of friends on Facebook. He had 6,200 friends. But here's the thing. I wonder how many of those 6,200 friends he actually knew. I'm guessing that at best it might have been up to 100. At best. Maybe, maybe a couple of hundred. Maybe he had a lot of relatives. Maybe he was a bit from a big family. But I wonder how many of those couple of hundred people do he actually classify as close friends? Probably no more than a dozen. You know, I think when Facebook calls it friends, they get it wrong. They should just call it acquaintances or they should just call it contacts because they're not your friends, amen? They might be, maybe at best, you might know 10% of the people that you're... Uh, have a, has a friend on Facebook. But you don't, you don't know them all. You don't know the 338. You know, researchers say that most people will have between three and five close friends. And you know, I think that's a good thing. Amen? I think that's a good thing. Three or five close friends. I think if we can have three or five close friends, we're doing very good. Amen? Chances are that none of us have any more than about ten really close friends. But here's the thing, we all need friends. We do. We need friends. You're aware of the saying, no man is an island or a woman. But you're not, amen? You can't do life on your own, amen? We were meant to do life with people. I mean, if anybody could have done life on their own, who was it? It was Jesus, amen? Amen? If anybody didn't need anybody else in his life, it would have been Jesus. But the first thing Jesus did when he stepped into his ministry was he surrounded himself with friends. Amen? Surrounded himself with friends. We need friends. But we need trustworthy friends. Amen? David had Jonathan. Ruth had Naomi. Elijah had Elisha. Abraham had Lot. Paul had Luke. Timothy had Silas. We need friends. Amen? We are not in an exception to that. We need friends. Jesus surrounded himself with friends, and so do we need friends. The third thing that Jesus did in the garden that night before his arrest was he prayed. Jesus, the Son of God, prayed to God. Now I wonder, if prayer was a major part of Jesus' life, being the Son of God, how much more important is prayer to you and I Prayer is essential. Amen? Prayer is essential for our lives. When Jesus was anxious, stressed, when worries were coming on Jesus, what did he do? He prayed. Took himself away and he prayed. Continuing on in our first verse this morning in Matthew, it says there in verse 39, it says, And Jesus went a little further and he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh my Father, If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus prayed when he went through some stuff. And watch this. Jesus never prayed to change the Father's will. He only prayed when he knew what the Father's will was. He only prayed for strength to be able to fulfill the will of the Father. Amen? prayed and asked God to give him the strength to go through it. Did anybody ever pray for your school to burn down the night before an exam? <laughs> Hands up. Come on. I'm asking for a friend. I didn't do it. But I think a lot of times when, when we end up in stressful situations, we pray that we don't have to go through those stressful situations. I had a friend, when the school went for the five years I was in secondary school, I had a friend, he was there all the time, never really missed a day at all, came to the Leaving Cert examinations, our final examinations in school, he never showed. And this guy was a big guy. He was a big guy. I mean, he had a full beard in third year. He was a big guy. He was a tough guy. I mean, we had nothing. But when it came to the exams, and nobody looks forward to exams. You look forward to the exams about as much as you look forward to the dentist. But when it came to the exams, he never showed. I did my exams, passed my exams. I didn't want to do them. I passed them. I was better off after it. I knew when I had come through my exams that I was glad that I didn't petrol bomb the school the night before. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, I'm trying to say it badly, is sometimes we have to go through some stuff. Sometimes we have to get that tooth filled. We have to get that tooth pulled or we need to get that procedure. Sometimes we have to go through some stuff. But I think every one of us looking back at the stuff that we went through, we don't regret the stuff we went through. We know that the stuff that we went through has made us into the person that we are today. And I think that we, when we look back at that kind of stuff, we say, you know what? I wish it didn't happen that way, but it did. I came through it. And now God can use me where I am today. Amen? Amen? In order for us to grow in our relationship with God, we are going to have to go through some stuff. Amen. We're going to have to go through some tests in our faith. But we just need to put our heads down and we need to get on with it. Amen. We need to trust God in the test. We need to trust God in the stuff that we go through. Amen. When anxiety comes, we need to just trust God in that anxiety. Psalms 23 and verse 4 says, Yet I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. You know in Psalms 23, there is no version, no matter how many versions you look at, that say that you can go around the valley of the shadow of death. Amen? There is no versions, no matter what one you look for, passion translation, whether you look for the message translation, every one of them will say that you will have to go through the valley of the shadow of death. But I love that word there, true. Because that word there, true, means you go through it and come out the other end. Amen? That word there, true, doesn't mean that you go into the valley of the shadow of death and you stay there for the rest of your life. Doesn't mean that you set up house there, you build your home there, you raise your family there. Doesn't mean that that's where you're going to die. It says that you're going to go through it. Every one of us in our lives will go through some stuff. And they will not be pleasant. They will not be pleasant as you go through it, but we have to go through it. Amen? God will take us through if we allow Him. Amen. We have to see ourselves as, as in life that we are, we're, we're tethered to God. Even though sometimes we float around there and we, we get attacked by this and get attacked by that, but we always got to recognize that our own biblical card is still tethered to God. Amen. And He is constantly leading and guiding us. And He will bring us true when the enemy attacks we need to focus on how massive our god is oh our god is so big amen when the enemy attacks us we gotta focus on how big our god is and how sneaky uh, how the enemy is just a little sneaky snake actual fact he's probably just a worm if we if we look at how big our God is when we're going through stuff and stop focusing on how small the enemy is, then we'll be able to focus and concentrate on God to bring us through everything that the enemy throws at us. If we are going to reach our God-given potential, we have to be more determined to succeed than the enemy is determined to stop us. Amen? If you're going to reach your God-given potential, you have to be more determined to succeed than the enemy is to stop you. No matter how strong the wind is blowing against you, you've got to keep pushing against it. Amen? No matter how high the mountain is, you've got to keep on climbing because eventually you will get to the top and you will overlap the mountain and come down the other end. When the apostles went to Jesus to ask him to teach them how to pray, Jesus said we should pray this way. He said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, he said, pray this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Did you get that? Jesus said that when we pray, the focal point of our prayer should be the will of God being done in our lives. Amen. That's hard, isn't it? Because how many people here are fairly willful? We like things done our way. We like to be in control. We like to be in charge. We like to be the one who sets the destination in the sat-nav. We don't like to be the one who, who is sitting in the passenger seat. Or worse again, we don't want to be sitting in the back seat. Amen? We want to be the ones to say, turn this way, turn that way. Amen? The Word of God says, and when Jesus told, told us and taught us how to pray, He said, ask God for His will to be done in our lives and not ours. Amen? We will go through some stuff. The enemy is out there to distract you. He's out there to try and get you off of God's plan for your life. But don't allow the enemy to keep on attacking you with worry, fear, and anxiety. Just recognize them for what they are. They are stuff that you and I have to go through. But God's will will be done in our lives. Amen? When the enemy attacks you, remind yourself that you're going to get through this. No matter what the enemy throws at you, you are going to get through this. God is there, and he, in that worry, in that stress, in that anxiety, God is going to bring you to a place of peaceful, still waters and green pastures. Amen? Jeremiah 29 11, this has kind of been our really foundation scripture for this year, to remind ourselves that God knows the thoughts that he thinks towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Jesus said that when you pray, that you are to pray for God's kingdom to advance, for his will to be done in your life, in your family's lives, in your finances, in your job, in everything. Ask for God's will to be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When fear and worry and anxiety attack, we need to recognize it for what it is. It's a distraction from the enemy. It's his plan to keep us from fulfilling God's plan for our life. We need to just keep on our focus to Jesus. Amen? So what do we do when fear, worry and anxiety starts to our, attack our lives? Well, we go back to 1 Peter 5, 7 again. Cast all of our cares onto Jesus because he cares for us. And we remind ourselves that our God is so much bigger than the enemy who is trying to take us down to his level. We are to surround ourselves with people who are for us. Amen. Remember that isolation is where the enemy thrives. If he can isolate you, he'll tear you down, tear you apart. Amen. We need to find some people who are trustworthy. Find trustworthy people in your life, people who are on your side, people who will take care of you, people who will give you good advice. Not people who are out to take from you, but people who are out to help you and add to you. Amen? And we need to pray. We need to talk to God. Bring our concerns, our fears, our worries, our anxieties to Him. And another thing that we're to do is we are to worship Him. Worship God. Do you know that our worship is one of the most powerful tools that God has given us? It is powerful. No matter what you are going through, worship. I don't know, many times I've had stuff going on in my life and I've just been in the car or whatever, I've turned up to worship and I've just worshipped. praised God. Worshipped Him. Psalms 150 verse 6 says that, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. No matter what you're going through, praise God. Worship God. Turn it up to the last. Blare it out there. Worship along with God because the enemy can't stay in a place where God has been worshipped. Amen? Because he was created to be the chief worshipper. You know that, don't you? That was his original... And when he sees us, lowlifes in his mind, worshipping God, he can't handle it. He can't stay, amen? He can't stay in a place where God has been worshipped. Amen? Worship God. Remember that time when Paul and Silas were arrested for setting that slave girl free? You remember that time? Over in Acts chapter 16. And it says in verse 23, they were arrested and it says that they had laid many stripes on them. Give them a good beating. And they threw them into prison, commanding that the jailer keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and he fastened their... Feets in the stocks. It's a bit grim, isn't it? I mean, they just set this slave girl free. That's all they did. And they got a beating for themselves for it, and they got arrested for it. They nearly got tore apart, but they got arrested. And they got thrown into the deepest part of the jail. And their legs were fastened in stocks. So here they are, in the dark, legs fastened in stocks, surrounded by other smelly prisoners for doing good. And on top of all that, they got a good beating for themselves, so I'm sure they were bruised and caught and battered for doing good. Sounds like a picture of hopelessness, doesn't it? (laughs) Getting beat up for doing something good, battered for doing something good. I mean... Has anybody ever ended up in that place where you thought you were doing the right thing? All you were trying to do was help somebody and you find yourself ending up in a place of hopelessness. And our default position in those situations is to, why me, Lord? I was not even trying to help him. Why me, Lord? It's to, it's to feel sorry for ourselves. It's to cry. It's to, to get depressed. It's to get annoyed. It's to to get to a place of where we're like, ah, well, if this is the way it's going to be, well, that's enough for me. I'm giving up. And they're all pretty valid options there, aren't they? But that's not the right thing to do in the time of attack, is it? What did Paul and Silas do? It says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I mean, Paul and Silas, they, they, were, they had license to whinge, complain, give out, to say, that's enough for me, I have enough. But it says at midnight, fastened in stocks in a prison after getting a good beating for themselves for setting the slave girl free, it says Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They were having a worship session in that prison. And what happened? What happened? It says, and the prisoners were listening to him. Do you know how you can be one of the greatest witnesses in your life? Is that when you're going through stuff, instead of whining, giving out, and complaining, worship God. I mean, you're not going to deny it. I'm not, it's obvious that I'm going through some stuff here, but even as I go through this stuff, God is great. God is good. God is faithful. God is awesome. Shout to, start singing, shout to the Lord. Start singing, great is our God and stuff like that. When you're going through stuff. Because when you do that, instead of whining, giving out and complaining, you get people's attention. Amen? And the word of God says here that Paul and Silas, because they didn't give out, whinge and complain, it says they, and they worship God and praise God, it says they got people's attention. It's verse 26. It says, Suddenly there was a a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Do you know when you're going through some stuff and you choose to worship God and praise God as you go through that stuff, choose to trust God rather than giving in to what the enemy wants for your life, when you trust God, when you worship Him and praise Him as you go through stuff, people will hear you. They will they will respond to what they hear and the Word of God says everyone's chains fell off. It didn't just say that Paul's and Silas's chains fell off. It said all of those prisoners all around them's chains fell off too. If you want to be the greatest witness that you can be when you're going through some stuff, instead of giving out, complaining and whinging, start worshiping God and watch, watch how other people who are going through some stuff too, watch how they'll be attracted to you. Watch how they'll be like, you know, well, he's every license, he's every right. But he's choosing not to, he's not whinging, he's not giving out, he's not crying, he's not complaining. He's worshiping God through all of this. Oh, and I see his chains are falling off. Freedom is coming his way. When you're going through stuff, freedom will never come your way as long as you keep giving in to the enemy. He wants to keep you in a place of where you're whinging, crying, giving out. Amen? Where you're ready to walk away at any time. Freedom can only be found when you put God first. When you worship God. When you praise God. Right in the middle of the oppression. Right in the middle of the hardship. Right in the middle of the stress. Right in the middle of the anxiety. Praise God. Bless God. Watch the chains fall off. Amen. Oh, the enemy is whispering in your ear. You're entitled. This is not fair. You're here for doing good. But we've got to learn to tune him out and tune in God. Amen. The only way that we can tune in God... Worship him. In the storm, worship him. In the trial, worship him. In the stress, worship him. In the anxiety, worship him. And watch how the enemy will flee when we start worshiping God. Amen. One more scripture. Let's finish over there in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. And we've read this a couple of times in this series. But I want to read it to you today in closing from the message version. And it says this: it says, Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and prayers and praise shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displays worry at the center of your life. It says it's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Amen? Trust God. When worry, anxiety, and fear come, trust God. Worship God. Praise God. And he will set you free. Amen?